Greetings from Tromerville. I'm Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment and creator of The Toxic Avenger. You know, folks, when we're not making those great movies like Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, or Tromeo and Juliet, the Troma team and I kick back and listen to Anything Goes because it's with Darren Frost and it's on XM Laugh Attack. Ha, ha, ha. I'm laughing. Ha, ha. I'm having a heart attack. Oh, oh, no. Anything goes. Anything goes with Darren Frost. Ah, it's Lloyd Kaufman. I'm dying. Ah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Touch that dial, it was molested, and it brings back horrible memories. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here, a fucking comedian? Can you dig it? Okay, welcome to the Big Bad Show. This is Anything Goes, recorded live this week on the road in Edmonton, Alberta, at the Yuck Yucks at the Edmonton Casino, Century Casino, actually. Uh, last night I did two shows on an X-rated tour with Kenny Robinson, and joining me this week to co-host the episode uh, and the main interview of this episode is Kathleen McGee, friends. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. She's I'm so back. excited. I'm so excited. And uh, so how are things with you, Kathleen? Come on. Huh? It's, been a, it's been a long time since we've actually seen each other. Probably I know. Four or five months? Yeah, because I've been... Well, we finished our tour in November. Yeah. And then December, I kind of came back to Edmonton. And then I was around a little bit in January. And I've been out of uh, Ontario since about January. Yeah. And I've been back here in my hometown, Edmonton, Alberta, where I started my comedy career. Yeah. And... um, I'm waiting for some working papers so that I can head on down south right. and uh, try some other things. <laughs> right. Down to L.A., of course. Yep. And uh, we wish Dave Martin was here because now we don't have a punching bag. But that's all right. We I can know. just We can just punch the air. I know. It's crazy. It's, I don't know who I'm supposed to make fun of. I guess I'll just make fun of myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dave is actually in Calgary this week at the Yuck Yucks, and uh, he's going to be coming here next week. And you're working with him, right? I'm working you're- with him next week with him and uh, Garrett Clark. So I have I'm working with an Australian and a Torontonian. So it's a very diverse white wow. guy lineup. That's interesting. Who's headlining that show? Garrett. Okay, I don't know Garrett Clark he's very well. He's from out here. He's uh, he originally started in Kelowna. Okay, they used to have an amazing, amazing. Well, it wasn't the room wasn't always amazing, but it was just a fun weekend. It was a good weekend because yeah. you're in Kelowna, which is one of the most beautiful yes. places ever. Absolutely warm, a nice hotel. It was more like a vacation than anything else. And so he started there with another comic, uh, Rob Balston, and they they have both uh, been working a lot out out west here for Yuck Yucks, and uh, yeah. Comedy out here is is different. It's definitely different from when I started. Right. Uh, seven years ago. The but the, but like that's any scene. It'll it'll always change. Yeah, it's always going to mutate. It's going to change. I mean, there's young comics coming up. There's old comics either moving away, like yourself, or you know, changing what they're doing, whether getting in or out of comedy. So. And now, here's something very interesting. Last a couple weeks ago, you performed in this club with uh, Dave Foley. Yeah, that was mind-blowing for me. Now, it's interesting because Dave Foley is not in the past known to be a stand-up comic. He's obviously a sketch from Kids in the Hall and News Radio and all those other things. What was it like performing with him for a weekend? It was seriously one of the most fun weekends ever. He he was so nice and so uh, he was very complimentary. When he told me he thought I was funny, I thought I was going to pee myself. Right. Because like, the kids in the hall 
are a huge influence on just me, my personality, not necessarily my stand up, but right. I watch them all the time. Like I, and, you know, and we've had Scott Thompson and that was just as exciting yep. to, to be, be around him. But I was, I was skeptical as always like with stand up because you know when there's a guy who isn't a traditional stand up absolutely yeah it comes in you know what's it going to be like are are they going to be funny and i i watch him and he is really funny he has got a great act now did did, in terms of people actually came to see him because that's an interesting dynamic some people just came probably because it was a comedy show and then he had obviously fans of just him yeah and was that a good mix or was it more kind of fans than just kind of every the crowds here at the Edmonton Yuck Yucks all weekend were fantastic like we had we did four shows and they were all really great shows and the the part that I loved about him was he was uh, he was a little bit different and he was he was more willing to have fun than some other headliners with bigger names that I've been working with and and uh, like for the extra of the show, because it was just me and him. There was no MC middle. It was just I was hosting. Okay, middling. so you went up, just did like twenty minutes or something. Yeah, or? I th- yeah, I did like twenty twenty five before right. him, and then I would close the show. So they would do the regular, like they give away prizes at this yuck yucks and stuff right. like that. And he would stay on stage, and he oh, would fun. do them with me, and uh, I would give because I don't know how to give away those prizes. I'm yeah, like, I hate so you. I just said, okay, this prize goes to the first person who's gonna blow Dave Foley, and all the girls would like, ah, Dave would like walk out. <laughs> he was just <laughs> cocking so- his hand. And yeah, this is exactly. what you're going to suck. Exactly. Yeah, right. He was just so much fun to work with. And he was, uh, he, we did an interview. I don't know if we've aired it yet or not. but Not yet. No. That's, so, we're still going to. Yep. But uh, he, he was full of advice. And uh, he had great advice on L.A. because he's been living there for the past almost right. 20 years. So it's, you know, he, he was just a really great person to work with. And I've been lucky to work with some Canadian legends and, and uh, to work with the ones that are genuinely good people. Now, like, did he talk about the fact that he's doing stand-up and he never really did stand-up before? Yeah. Well, he did start in stand-up when he was 17 okay. in Toronto. He did start in stand-up. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. We, talk, we talked about that in the interview yep. about how he, he named some names of when he did the he did the Yuck Yucks Club that was, that's gone now that was on Yeah, Yorkville. Yeah, Yorkville, yeah. yep. So he was talking about that, and he, he said he did that. And then he met Kevin McDonald at a Second City course, and then he kind of, that just kind of put him in the sketch path. But, right. So he, he started in stand-up. So he's not, like, really just one of those people that's like, well, I'm just going to start stand-up. Right. And uh, he's really, like, he's done rooms um, um, in L.A., all over L.A., and, and, and his act is really funny. I had a lot of people, my friends, being like, oh, my God, that was so good. And, mm-hmm. and Well, the thing is, you never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. Because let's be honest, he's known to be a TV star. Yeah. Even though we love him in Kids in the Hall. In yeah. America, he, he, that's a cult show at best. He's known for news radio or other TV appearances, yeah. you know, the, the Disney, cartoon work yeah. and all that stuff. So when you go and see him, you're not expecting him to be good. You're just expecting to see him. Yeah. And so when they are good, it's like Screech, right? They go in hoping Screech is good. He sucks. Yeah. And then you're pissed. But yeah. with this situation, it's the exact opposite. Oh, it was great. And, and the weekend here was so much fun. And uh, the, the crowds were great. And, yeah, he was, it was really it was a really exciting weekend for me because I don't know it's just like if you look up to a certain person your whole life and then you finally get to work with them and then they Mm -hmm. they tell you what you're doing is good like it's huge well it's funny you said that because we were talking uh, we were doing an interview earlier today with uh, Billy Cowan which is going to air in a few weeks but we were talking about Bobcat Goldthwait and I want to go on the record I know we interviewed him for our show and and it was a really good interview that you and Dave did but I am so fucking pissed off now that I didn't do that interview I couldn't because of family thing and unfortunately, my family comes first. But I saw unfortunately, his movie. my family. Well, comes I mean, first. look, you know, I'd love to say to everyone, oh, comedy is everything, but it's not to me. Yeah. Um, 
I saw World's Greatest Dad. Greatest. And for months, you told me to see I it. Told, and was, probably Dave, a year. Dave Martin told me to watch it, and I never watched it. And then I was at my, my in-laws, and we were watching Netflix, and it was actually on there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, let's watch this. And I have not fucking laughed at a traditional comedy like that. I mean, it was a dark comedy, but it is so fucking great. Yeah. And that's now two back. I want to see his new movie, but two back to back great fucking comedies yeah, Windy with City Windy Heat. City Heat and World's Greatest Dad. And you know what? I'm not a huge Robin Williams fan. I mean, I like Robin mm. when he's in a certain thing, but comedy wise, you know, not the greatest track record since Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. He was fucking great in that movie. Yeah, Bobcat Goldwaith is probably uh, one of the best new directors in the world I, right I, now. Just, I just his vision is so good, and he and the cool thing about when we met him, the cool the thing that I thought was so cool was that he said, you know, I liked I wanted to make movies. Right. And people said, well, you can't make those movies. The studios will never do it. He's like, okay, well then I will make the movies and I will distribute them. And and it's such a it's so nice when when somebody's I always respect people that say I don't care what you say I can and cannot right. do. These people like it. There are people out there that want to see this. I think this is good. And it, it is. Like, he was a really cool person as well to meet. Because I didn't really know a lot about him. Like, I told him Hot to Trot was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. <laughs> and he's like, you were a fucked up kid. <laughs> like, I remember Hot to Trot. But I, remember I remembered him from the Police Academy sure. movies. And I didn't even know his stand-up. Like, yeah. I didn't. And, um, and then I didn't even realize... All of the movies that he'd done until I saw World's Greatest Dad, and then and, and a lot of people don't give him a lot of credit on how good of a stand-up he was. Unfortunately, yeah. he started as a character comic, yeah. which is the kiss of death with the leadest comics. And uh, there's a great scene in the documentary when stand-up stood out. Yeah. Um, when stand-up stood up, I should say, in uh, about the Boston scene where he is there, and at the end of it, he does some show and he makes fun of everyone because they're all now fat yeah. and old, and he looks better than he ever did. Yeah. You know, he looks nice and thin. He's in shape, and uh, because they never gave him a lot of respect back in the day. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, winning is, is the best revenge is like doing well. Right? It is. So. It is. And uh, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I still have those things. Like, I was a, a fat kid. Sure. And I had people make fun of me. And I had people tell me, you know, when I said I wanted to be an actress, people would roll their eyes and be right. like, yeah, that's never going to happen. And uh, when I said I wanted to be on stage, like, people would be like, oh, whatever. You're not going to do it. But just doing the things that I've done and... And it's so funny when you get, like, an email from somebody that was mean to you in high school. Oh, and God. then they're like, oh, oh you're so cool now. You're just so... I'm like, no, I've always been cool. You've just been a judgmental asshole. <laughs> but the, I, you know... The number of emails that I've gotten from fucking high school cunts and douchebags. Yeah. And now, the, you know, like, revisionist history. We were friends. No, we weren't friends. Yeah. When were you my friend? When you stuck your fucking thumb in my throat? No, you're not my friend. I mean, that's just... A, it's so weird how they remember one thing. And, yeah. And sure, the truth... I guess is somewhere in the middle, but I remember you being a motherfucker. Yeah. And I don't want you to come see my show. And if you do, sit in the front because I'll call you fucktard, you know? And <laughs> yeah. afterwards, you know, you'll try to come up to me and I'll barely, you know, talk to you. I, it's it's the weirdest thing how people remember those But things. it is funny. Like, I don't want my entire career to be based on I told you so I, I could do well, this. No. But, uh, but it is like a part of me that really makes me but when they search Push, you out, it's yeah. different. Like you don't, yeah, you don't want your whole career to be like that. I don't want my whole career. Yeah. But when they search you out and they send you an email, you yeah. have to address it. Or I guess you don't. But I get a certain joy out of addressing. I it think it's funny. It I is. really think it's funny because then you look at their Facebook and uh, <laughs> they've you know? got four kids and they're working a job that they hate. And, right. And uh, my life is very uh, my my life is very uh, unconventional to my friends out here. Like that's the the thing I've been dealing with out in Edmonton is I come back here and all of my friends are married and they all live in big houses in the suburbs and sure. they have babies and I get back here and 
and I don't have any of that. And I and for a while, a later. I'm, I'm doing a cake party for some <laughs> university students. I'm like 31. What the fuck is wrong with me? But no, but like I was when I first got back here, I was I got really depressed. Right. And I got really down on myself. And uh, because I'm like, I think I'm fucking up. What am I doing? All these people have a family and have a life and I'm doing stupid things and I'm out drinking at night and I'm you know I'm pretending I'm still young and I'm like not old but like I'm not in my 20s anymore I'm not 21 anymore exactly absolutely yep so I went through some really I was really upset and sad and I went to my doctors and I started she put me on an antidepressant but we also right. found out that I uh, have really low iron oh, okay so that was contributing to my like tiredness and like not wanting to get out of bed and things like that but when i was in toronto at least i uh, the people that i associated with which is mostly comics and mostly female comics they're in the same situation as me yep. they're single yeah they're trying to find a, a, a normal guy but it's hard to be a female comic and find anyone because guys don't like girls that speak their mind i know that every, i know that guys will come up to me all the time and say oh that's so cool you're so independent mm -hmm. but then eventually they're like uh can i take care of you right and so but at least in toronto i had that but in toronto i'm not gonna lie i drank way too much right i was out every night at shows and yeah. that's the problem with doing those shows is you get drunk every single night and um i gained a lot of weight when i was in toronto and, and now i've moved back here and I, I i went to my doctor and now i've I started doing like uh, the antidepressants. I'm, I still drink. Like I'm never gonna give up drinking. That'd be I would be a quitter if I did that. But right, right. But um, I've lost 14 pounds. I've like I've I'm getting my health under control, and I'm like starting to focus, and I'm starting to write more. And I'm I don't know. I'm not such a mess. I was a mess in Toronto. I really was. Well, you know, the first step is knowing what your limits are yeah. and then addressing them for sure. Yeah. Um, we will continue this uh, conversation on the, the third section of the show because we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, uh, this whole episode is Kathleen McGee's in. We're going to be interviewing Sam Tripoli. I should have really gave him a shout out in the beginning of the show. Uh, Sam Tripoli is an L.A.-based comic. He does a lot of really cool shows in L.A. And we talked to him in depth uh, from the Edmonton comic strip. We want to give a shout out to them. They were very gracious in let us, letting us record the show there. So when we come back from the break, Sam Tripoli and Kathleen McGee. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hello, this is Ron Burgundy. You're listening to Anything Goes. Laugh Attack XM160. Mm. I like to listen to it with scotch. Lots and lots of scotch. And I love Mark Walker. Just rolling out of the gutter? No way. Us too. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. I, uh, I actually perform on stage like I'm Lemmy from Motorhead, so I'm always under the microphone myself. So, did you see that uh, that story about the Motorhead uh, the Motorhead uh, concert where this woman uh, goes to this Motorhead concert, gets drunk, beats this guy, goes to the bathroom, raw dogs, and uh, a couple uh, you know a month later finds out she's pregnant, 
and puts it on Craigslist. Like, oh, hey, yes. if you were the guy who went yes. to Motorhead, hooked up with some chick in the bathroom, uh, congratulations, you're a father. Well, first of all, you've ensured that nobody will ever hit you back. And second of all, it's like, what kind of mad skills do you got when you can pick up a chick at a Motorhead concert? Absolutely. Because there's only got to be literally four a, chicks, four fuckable women yes. in that whole entire uh, place. Fuckable is even debatable. I'd say four chicks, then divided by two, two fuckable. Yeah. One that you, yeah, and then you're raw dogging right. it. You just yeah. don't even care at that then point. Then you're fucking their eyes because that's the only thing so they won't see what's yeah. coming. So, I mean, it's just the fact that, I mean, that's a story. That literally has all the components to the next coming of Jesus Christ. Like, it's yep. like a weird situation, yes. raw dogging. It's not a mania, but it is a bathroom, kind of the same thing. So it all works out at the it same does. time. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, that's a nice intro into the show. Uh, we are sitting here in uh, West Edmonton Mall at the Comic Strip, uh, at the Comic Strip, which is considered by many comics in this country to be the premier club of our great country. We are sitting here. My co-host is Kathleen McGee, and joining us today is Sam Tripoli from Los Angeles. Uh, welcome to the show, Sam. Good to be here. Now, uh, is this your first time in Canada? No, I've done a bunch of Canadian gigs. I've gigged with uh, Rogan for a while. I did okay. Montreal many, many years ago, the Montreal Comedy Festival. Right. And I did uh, the Monsters of Comedy with Jason Rouse. We played Vancouver and Toronto. Oh, right, okay. And the Hammer. But is this your first kind of club date, like a weekend kind of thing? No, no, no. Uh, with the Monsters, we did a weekend up in Vancouver. Oh, right, okay. At, uh, at Laugh Lines? Yeah. Oh, Laugh Lines or the mixed Laugh Lines? The Laugh Lines. Okay. I believe it's Laugh Lines. Yeah. And uh, how's the weekend going so far? Well, we just got into the weekend. The mm-hmm. Wednesday and Thursday were phenomenal. I mean, I don't know how packed it usually gets on a Wednesday and Thursday, mm-hmm. but I was pretty happy with it. And they were great crowds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did like five minutes on some chick talking about my magic asshole last night. So, oh, of crowd work, yeah. A, I, I, that's why I love this club, because it's, a, it's not an easy club. There's a, a, some comics say that Absolute Ottawa is the best club in Canada, but I find, I've heard that it's just an easy club, that anybody can get up and, and kill. But you actually have to work hard and be funny to kill here. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they'll go with you. That's what I've found. And yeah. the lineup's really good. Both the guys going up are hilarious. It's a good mix of everything. And I'm very... I, lo- I love clubs that will let me do what I want to do. I just can't stand going into clubs and, you know, they give you all these rules and they don't like dirty. It's like, who are... Where does then this why exist? Are you me? Yeah. Where does this exist? It's, it's not real. There's- who came up with this in the audience to want to see dirty? Like, I don't understand this either because I... I did the Nasty Girls show in, in Montreal this summer, and it was lined up around the block. No other shows were like that. And the Nasty show is the same way. But still, these festivals, I just got turned down by Halifax because I'm too dirty and they can't put me on CBC. But it's like, then put some uh, part components to your festivals for comics that people want to see that are dirty. Like, I still... I just don't know where that is in the rest of entertainment. Where's that not dirty? You know, music, television. There's... I mean, like, even network sitcoms are now getting dirty. You know, I just... I don't don't understand it. Well, if you look at all the star comics right now, they're all dirty comics, really, by definition. Louis C.K., of course, he's a brilliant comic, but a lot of his stuff would be considered dirty. Yeah. Uh, You know, Bill Burr has some dirty stuff. Yeah. Rogan goes dirty. Yeah. Everybody, all the star comics, really... Uh, a lot of them are dirty. Not all of them. We have Russell Peters who isn't, but he goes blue as well. Uh, his fans forget that he does. But a lot of them, a lot of them can go blue. I think you should be able to do everything, but ultimately you should do what you're best at. Of course. And if you know the the worst is the, I call them the clean Nazis. 
those comics who work clean, and they get angry when you work dirty. But off stage, they're just savages, and yes, they're yes. they're drinking, they're screwing everything that moves, they're doing everything that I talk about on stage. Right. And then you know you're making a business decision. I got in this because I want to do a certain thing on stage and have a lot of fun. And again, when we go back to me, I'll probably never be you know Russell Peters, but if I can pack a room, you know and get a crowd that likes what I do, then I'll Absolutely. take that. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's capturing uh, lightning in a bottle, what happened with Russell. It's not going to happen again. It happened before with Dane Cook. These are all people at the right time in the right place. Regardless of what I think of their acts, they rode that wave into stardom, and those doors are now closed to be able to do it the same way. And the people that are chasing that dream are not in it for the same reasons that I'm in it, or Kathleen, I'm sure you are not in it for that reason. I'm, I'm in this to say what I want to say, period. Yeah. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out. Uh, there's warnings on my shows as well. It says no refunds for a reason. Uh, you know, I love it. Yeah, it's when like we did Minnesota. They had a sign uh, like by the second night was like our restricted show. You've yes. been warned. And yes, you know, it's like we're talking grown up stuff. Yes. Do you find um, I've had this experience uh, before where it's a cleaner comic and I'm opening for them, and of course it's the headliner that's supposed to have. But when you're booked in Canada, it's very different from the states. It's like you don't get a choice of who your openers are right. unless you're a name. And That's how it is in the States okay. for the most part, so too. So this person is not a name, and he even said he's not a name. And he did not, like, he got really annoyed after one show. He went up and he's like, oh, I feel like I need to bathe in some Purell after that show. And he kind of threw all the guys that were on before him under the bus. And, and so that kind of annoyed me, and it annoyed us. And we, the words were said and everything. But eventually it came down to the point where he was mad because I... Because I had said something about, well, if you can't follow Dirty. And then he said, well, it's not you that I can't follow. It's your material. And I'm like, but I am my material. Yeah. And so, like, what do you do when there's a clean comic that's just like, you know. Well, you know, it's a weird thing because I've had to deal with that a lot. You know, maybe I'll, I, you know, when I went on the road when some of my friends were just starting to headline and they were a little cleaner than me, I do, I do mix it up. It's, it's an interesting thing. But ultimately, you should be booked with somebody who... Yeah. Your act fix, like me or, you know, a Stanhope or somebody like that who likes it dirty, yeah. you know. And it's just interesting that, you know, clubs wouldn't do that. I mean, like, I get really mad when I get booked with a really, like, over-the-top clean, like, yeah. you know, that uses yeah. all the cheating and all the yeah. stuff. Cheerleading. Nothing pissed me off than the guy who does nothing but crowd work. Sure. And, you know, it's like that's not your job. I would I, – I always tell him just like let me bring out somebody with me. It's not that I want to bring someone I can't follow. I just want to bring someone who sets the stage for what I'm going to do. Plays and that's, fair and plays fair. Yeah. You know, within the rules of what your job is. And you know, I got no problem. If someone kicks my ass every night fairly, I'm like, good for them. I'll call my agent. I'll go, that guy fucking kicked my ass. But I'll tell you what. If they just went, oh, America's great. Let's support the troops. And everybody's cheering. And yeah. 30 fucking minutes of that. Fuck you and yeah. fuck the troops because I, this is fucking me now. Yeah, sometimes features just they're really bitter sometimes too because sure. they want your job and they just don't understand. Like I don't, I don't, I personally don't care. I was there. Sure. Like I'm letting my feature right now crash in my my condo so he doesn't have to pay for the you know the hotel room. So it's like I'm all about the experience. Yeah, mm. but I've been through what you're going through. The biggest thing is like now it's like that means that it's your time to headline. So it's like if these guys are getting so they don't want to follow you, and that's ultimately what my biggest thing was like I couldn't get anybody to take me on the road forever because they didn't want to have to follow me and it really sucks because I never got that experience and, and when I first started going out I had to learn that the rules of headlining very 
like the hard way, right? Right. On my own, trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and sometimes clubs don't want you to do that, right? And it just really, it's weird. But you know, if you stick to what you believe in, it's going to happen. You shouldn't be working with clean comedians. Now, I've had. Have you ever had this? Like, especially like you said in America, it's a little bit different in terms of like the. You ever gone in day one? They're like, we don't like dirty comics. They'll probably tell you that. And then by show three, they love you, and they're like, hey, what you do is fine. We just we've been burned before by a certain kind of dirty comic, and we don't want that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I hate. Like, lowbrow, stupid, dirty, right. where it's just like, can you believe I'm saying that and just being filthy for no reason? Right. But you know what's so funny about that is, like, if you got a guy who goes up there and does dirty and it's awful at it, they're like, oh, you work dirty. You know, why'd you have to work? You shouldn't work dirty. Yes. Well, you know, if you got a clean comic who goes up there and eats a dick on stage, no one's like, oh, you work clean, bro. You shouldn't work Why'd clean. you work yeah. clean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't yeah. work so clean. You say clean. cunt more. If you say cunt more, it might work out for you. Yeah. You know, it's like you should ultimately do what you want to do. Again, don't – I just – like why would you hire me and not want me to do what I do best? But that – you know, in Canada, that happens all the time. Like for me, I'm forced – happens in America too I'm all forced the time. to, you know, present what I have to do, like whether it's signage or warnings or whatever. Like I don't like to be called X-rated. I hate that term. But it's the only term in comedy where someone will make a decision before they come in the door. Obviously, this is in Seinfeld. It's X-rated. Yeah. Even though what I do, I don't consider X-rated, whatever you want to call it, offensive, but at least it gives that kind of warning yeah. before someone comes in. It's a Seinfeld with fuck bombs. No, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's more than that. I, but, you know, some people don't like that sign. I love it. I Like, I do this thing called the Naughty Show, and, the, you know, right. it's an well, adult yeah. uh, variety show, and it's got, like, a pole dancers, strippers, burlesque dancers, and adult film stars. And a lot of people are like, well, you work with porn stars while you do that. And I'm like, well, it's one, I, I like to get that crowd. People who like them will come see my Absolutely. comedy, love yeah. me. But more, it just keeps away people I don't want my show. They're right. like, oh, there's porn stars. I don't want to go see that good. Because right. I wouldn't want you there. Right. I don't need you sitting in the front row angry because I'm saying dirty words. Right. I'll buy your ticket. I'll buy you a ticket for yep. another show. Yep. It just, it's misery if you're just sitting there staring at me. Have fun. It's like I can watch. Like Seriously, I like a wide range of comedians as much as I love. Hey, I love Brian Regan. I love there's yep. lots of clean comics I, I like. I like Ellen. I like Jeff Foxworthy. Absolutely. Like, I just love people who can do what they want to do. But Absolutely. for some reason, it can't go the other way. Right. And what we all fight are dumb people right. who get a chance to do comedy. They do it dirty and they do it dumb right. and go and try to be shocking. Right. Instead right. of just being honest. It's like I did a show a few months ago. Someone came up buying my merch, and they, one person said, uh, you remind me of Andrew Dice Clay. All right, whatever. Uh, there's categories. I get it. Then five minutes later, someone said, you remind me of Dane Cook from the same exact fucking show. Yeah. You know? From the same show. I'm like, what, am I acting out the misogyny now? Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. What the fuck? You, like, make a decision. It's so weird that the, every person takes that experience completely differently. Well, comedy, I find more than any other thing in the world, people take it so personal. Sure. And, like, if they don't like your kind of comedy they get so angry like they come to the club want a certain thing and yes offend, and they get offended for other groups that have nothing like i'll do it i do a joke about um i do a joke where i say let's make a big mistake let's fuck an asian guy and uh seriously you should see the way people in the crowd just be horrified and asian guys are in the crowd laughing their ass off it's like learn to laugh at yourself and learn to laugh at everyone else because i did tell a black guy last night to laugh so other people could laugh because exactly. they were all looking at him exactly is especially in in a place like edmonton where it is a pretty white bread city where there might be just one 
uh, black guy in the crowd or yeah. one Asian person. And and yes, they will feel uncomfortable because everyone's like, okay, well, we he just, okay, okay, he's laughing. Okay, yeah, you just gotta say, look, my best friend is a small cock. <laughs> that's all. That's really, and then that takes care. Well, the truth of the matter is, it's that's the problem of political correctness. Is yeah. there's well, yeah. so many it's rules to it? Correctness. Political correctness has destroyed our culture. Destroy. Yeah, because what it's done is it's created all this fine print that comes along with everybody getting along, and there's too much of it. It's like. He can say this, but they can't say. Well, that's not the whole point of Absolutely. what what political correctness has done is replace common sense. I mean, you have to actually digest what's being said, and is it coming off as offensive? And it's too many fucking rules. You know, the problem is that people don't care about the message. It's almost the messenger now, and I that's what a I have total, a fucking problem. A to, with. I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's totally a messenger. In two thousand five, I did the nasty show just for laughs with Stanhope, Jeffries, Otto, and George, Bobby Slayton, and me. Right, and they pulled me in back in the back of the alley and they told me I can't do these three jokes because I talk about my children in them. If you can't do these jokes, no one is allowed to talk about their children that way. This is on the nasty show. And then the next year, I'm not saying Louis C.K. stole from me. Of course he didn't. He calls his kids assholes and it's fucking brilliant. And it is brilliant. He's hysterical. Right. He's brilliant. Right. But it is a lot about the messenger and who you are Completely. with what you can get away with now because people get really angry if they don't like you. I, I battle that every day. I find the same thing just being a girl, though, because a, a lot of male comics get mad because I'll tell rape jokes and I'll tell jokes about, like, vaginas and stuff like and, uh And they get mad because, why can't I go up and tell rape jokes? I'm like, well, because you there's a really low chance that you're ever going to be raped. Yeah. You know, like, so, and I get away with a lot of things just from the way I look and the way I, I say things. That's how I get away with it. So, But ultimately, they should find a way to make it happen. And it's yeah. just through trial and error and working hard and being honest that you can get away with that. I mean, I have rape jokes in my act. Yeah. I have all sorts of jokes. I have, have old people good. getting AIDS jokes. And, yeah. You know, but it comes from a real place. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, it's like you just got to stand your ground and just fight for it. And, and it's out there. And ultimately, if I didn't do this, I it might as well have a day job. It's the same thing. Going up there doing an hour of comedy yeah. I don't really enjoy doing is having a day job. Oh, yeah. I always say, you know, I'll bomb being myself than trying to bomb being someone else because nothing sucks worse on that drive home than going, I fucking did jokes I didn't want to do and I bombed. I can drive home just nice and fine when I bomb with the jokes I want to do. In fact, I'll fucking drive twice as fast and be happy about it because at least I stuck to my guns. I talk about to uh, – I, I like talking to young comedians because I – I wasn't smart enough to listen to the guys around me when I was coming up. Sure. I thought I knew everything. How long have you been doing comedy for? Oh, it's got to be like 15 years, okay. 15, 16. Yeah. It's been a long, crazy, fun road. <laughs> and got a lot of highs and a whole bunch of deep lows, you know. But I, I've learned from all of it, and I always like to pull comics aside and tell them, like, you know, what it's about. And I, I tell them, like, every showcase means nothing. does not matter. Your re, The reaction from the crowd means nothing. They know whether they're going to use you or not. So don't get to go up there and do what you want to do. Leave that stage knowing, hey, I enjoyed my act. And if it doesn't fucking go, they don't pick you up. I've seen people bomb and get national television. I've seen people, you know, crush, and they're like, ah, we're not really into them. So it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Oh, none of it matters. I just did a South by Southwest uh, audition like five months ago. I think you were on it. And I killed, killed. And the word back was I was too polished. I've never fucking heard that. What does that mean? Enti- that means what? I'm, I'm too good? Like it means it doesn't no, mean anything to me. No, you know what it means? Me. 
they want to they want to discover somebody exactly and there's nothing exactly. sure. sexy about discovering somebody everybody knows about right as much as we want to make it the suits want to discover somebody and say they made it right because there's something about having an eye for talent that everybody wants but for the most part they always just pick somebody it's so obvious it's going to blow up right you see that a lot in hollywood when you started um i know that i've just started to finally come to terms with this it's I used to get so upset when I wouldn't get the TV specials and stuff, but I never kind of thought, well, they won't put me on TV because I'm not appropriate. And when you said that thing about doing the Naughty Show and how you don't want people who aren't going to like your comedy there, I, I just kind of realized that this year, I don't want to ever be on CBC. I'm not a CBC comic. My act is not for the people that watch CBC. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I know they have a genre of young people that listen to them but i mean mostly it's like older people that watch it and i'm not appropriate for them so even if they came to my show in a club they'd be so disappointed right i've had tons of people say well just do a clean tv set just just to get the people there and i'm like so then when they come to my show and they see my actual jokes that i actually like then they're gonna be disappointed because they're like oh she's disgusting (laughs) yeah you always want to watch how you make it because how you make it that sticks with you. And people get, if they get a certain view of you and you try to go the other way, they will organ reject that. Oh, yes. And you will be, find yourself alone. Yes. And it's the truth. So it's better to make it uh, at a certain level than to blow up off of something that you don't do at all. That it's not you. And that you yep. don't want to be ever. Cat Williams kind of went through that. I was hearing yes. for a while. Like, he was doing that whole pimp and smoking weed stuff. And then after a while, he wanted to go do a little something different. And the crowds would just get angry at him. Yes. Well, it's like Bob Saget, right? He was a dirty comic beforehand. He, he sucked the teeth of the television world for years, made a shitload of money, and good for him. Then he came back as a dirty comic, and a lot of people didn't want to see it. Now he's kind of enough time has gone past that he's kind of come out the other side of it. But there was a period there where his stand-up was not met with crowds appreciating what he was trying to yeah, do. Yeah, and it was also a different time. There's just sure. something about it if you, like, started comedy in the 80s. I don't know what it is, but a lot of the guys I know and look up to kind of have this kind of, like, they can do whatever they want to in the club's kind of don't tell them what to do. There's just something about starting in the 80s that, that, you know, they kind of established them. They had this kind of outlaw thing, and it's just acceptable. Now if you're coming up, that it's so controlled mm-hmm. by the suits that it's just a whole different ball game. But now thanks to podcasting and stuff like that, you can get a following. It's an oversaturation, of course. Sure. But if you're really good at what you do, you can have a following. Now, one thing you guys did yourself, uh, Jason Rouse, Ari Shafir, and Chris Neff, you guys toured together, uh, how long ago was it, six months ago? No, this was a, almost a year and a half. A year and a half ago? Yeah. And you did the Monsters of Comedy, which you just toured tra- pretty much the West Coast, right? What we did was, yeah, we pretty much just went from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way up California to Vancouver, and then we came back and flew to Toronto and closed it out there. Okay. And uh, then there was a documentary that was, uh, that was filmed. Uh, a guy followed you around for the whole tour, filmed everything. I saw, I'm not sure if it was a rough cut. Uh, I, I wouldn't cut. even say it's rough. It's a fucking thrown together like fucking <laughs> bukkake of comedy. Right, right. And so you obviously saw that rough cut as well. Yeah. And, and is this the first time that you've been approached to do something like this? Or have you kind of stayed away from it for a while and then finally said yes? Because there's a lot of comics that don't want to do like a road tour movie. Uh, well, I, I was first was going to be part of a, a Vince Vaughn comedy tour, and I did okay. one show, and it just didn't go well for me. So I, I was kind of like, ah, okay, we're going to go with somebody else, which was fine. Yeah. And they went on and they did their thing and... But I always saw all these like comedy 
tour movies, always playing the sweetest gigs. They're like, sure. oh, this is comedy. Oh, look, we just yeah, showed the up theater. to this theater. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, everybody's loving it. I'm like, that's not comedy. I wanted to do a wide range of what comedy was. Right. You know, the problem was it's like based on the budget and the amount of cameras we had, I couldn't do exactly what I wanted to do. Sure. And it's still not done yet. I just had a lot of things on my plates. Right. So I haven't been able to go and really carve up that that doc the way I want to. Right. And I just, I, the fact that you've seen it uh, kind of upsets me because <laughs> well, it doesn't represent it. what it was. It. Yeah, that upsets me too yep. that, you know, you had to pay for it. I understand why the filmmaker did that. He's still a friend of mine. Yeah. But I told him, I'm like, you're, because someone told me Showtime and saw it. And I'm like, you just ruined one Your of chance. the biggest venues yep. for kind of unknown comedy like showtime takes more chances on yes. people than maybe hbo does and hbo's phenomenal yep. but hbo has a certain level they want to do showtime likes to take a little more risk on unknown people and yep. each one is great in its own self but you know a, a, a venue kind of a bridge has been burnt at that point and i don't know if we can go back to it well, I mean, the, the, I think the documentary tried and was successful in showing that comedy is not pretty in terms of sometimes there's not people at venues or as many as you hope, and you have to battle through that. Like, I've, I've performed to eight people. I've performed to four people. I've done that. I've videotaped it. I've put some of that stuff on my own DVDs as bonus features for people to see and, and be, uh, you know, laugh at. But I thought I did a good job of that, showing that side of it. The only thing I didn't like about it, to be critical of it, I know this is not beyond your control because you're not the editor, is that it didn't really show – I know all four of you. I I know all four have good material, and in the beginning, I would like to have seen some really great stuff to justify. No, these guys shouldn't have to perform in front of eight people. No, I agree with that That's completely. The one, one big thing about that movie, if it gets recut, I really want to see material that goes. These guys are fucking funny. Why are they performing to that many people? I just feel that like it was just rushed out, and there were so many things that. We were telling. I mean, like, I don't want to throw this guy under the bus. No, he's a good he's guy. A great guy. He's Patrick, yeah. But there were like the problem is we got a great kid who was like twenty one, twenty. Yeah. I think twenty one at the time. Yeah. And we were on this insane party ride. Yeah. And sometimes the party became more important than the dock. Sure. And a lot of great things were missed out. Because everybody was high as shit all the time, you know, <laughs> right. and, uh, you know, I would sit there. I'm like, we need to get down and have all four of us sit down and talk about what would just happen. And it would never happen. Right. And, I, and I'm still to this day because most docs are, are 90 percent talking heads. Yeah, of course. People explain yes. about what you just saw. And yeah. there's none of that in that. No, in, there isn't. There isn't. No, you're right. You know, and there's a battle going on between me and Chris Neff about, you know, kind of what we just talked about, like. Going up there and just trying to shock people and just being honest with who you are. And, right. you know, now he says that, you know, I was right about that stuff, but we would live and die off of, you know, what Chris Neff's set was. Right. If he would go up there and piss off all the chicks in the crowd, we wouldn't sell one t shirt. But right. if we got a crowd that understood what comedy was doing, we would sell out our t shirts. It was, you know, I, I'm sad that it's out because it doesn't represent what that tour was and how much fun that tour was. Right. There was one show we did in Washington where we look out and it's all gray heads. It's all gray heads. And then we're like, we're going to eat a dog's dick here. Right. I'm like, Patrick, go interview each of these people. Of course. Ask them who their favorite comic was. And they're like, Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like these comics from a years ago, decades ago. And I'm like, we're going to eat it. And then we go up and we crush. Oh, yeah. 
Because sometimes people don't understand that, that old people. I fucking love old people. Yeah. Bone. That's how people. you're here. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's how you're here, old people bone. Especially in small cities where they got yes. nothing else going yes. on. They used to bone. And my, like- my whole theory about old people is, is very simple. Is that you, people go, like when I'm about to perform, the manager will go, a lot of gray hair, will you tone it down? I mean, no, they know what real anger is. Right, they're not—they're not angry because they're driving their parents' minivan back with their chick to finger bang them. They don't have any fucking retirement funds. Yeah, they've, they've seen wars. Yeah, they know real fucking anger and they know fake. And when you're throwing something that's real and truthful, they will fucking love it way more than the 19-year-old kid who doesn't even know who Kim Jong Il is unless he watched Team America. I completely agree. That's with that. the, that's the reality that these kids are getting a lot of their social ideas from movies now, not from newspaper or news, from movies. And old people are the exact opposite. It. They read the newspaper. They're intelligent. They want to see risks. As long as it's presented that way, yeah. I love old people. Well, the problem is, like, you always hear people, people are getting dumber. They're getting so dumb. No, really, they're not. What it, They're getting oversaturated with useless material. Yes. Uh, you know, it's not like the peasants from Lord of the Ring. I mean, excuse me, from Game of Thrones are all, like, the, you know, splitting atoms and doing quantum physics yeah you know they just didn't get bombarded with who's kim kardashian's dating day in and day right. out you know there was only so much information and they could digest it and that's the problem now with the 90 channels all like marketed to certain people you don't have to get all the information you can get told what you like to hear yep. and it's really ruined just the basic understanding of what's going on in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, first, the Channel Universe killed stand-up because of A&E's evening improv. That was the first wave of how it destroyed stand-up at a certain level. And also now, these all these channels and these shows, it's destroyed the idea of smart people coming to comedy clubs sometimes. No, it's, Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I love when people go, no, yeah, have you noticed that? Or, yeah, no. <laughs> they say, Watch for that. They say it all the time. But uh, Comedy Central is a great example of this. Yeah. Comedy Central and, and the people at NBC who did Last Comic Standing they tried to do with comedy what they did with music was that only young sexy people could do it yes so they put these people on television yes. who were young sexy and had this very small understanding of what comedy was yep. and it ruined the whole thing yes. to the point where the, like the last two seasons of last comic saying they didn't even show them in some markets i know because nobody wanted to watch it but it, and and they're doing it now with the uh with the uh roast if you watch right. the first two seasons, three seasons, they were amazing because they were like Nick DiPaolo, yeah. like yeah. real talented roasters, who were well, guys who have to, or girls twenty years experience. Yeah. These aren't just the flash in the night comics that are kind of hot right now. They had had writing jobs before. They know what TV is. They know what they got to do. So they get these, you know, these great guys establish this brand, and sure. it gets big. And then slowly over time, yes. you see them getting weeded out. And now all these like twenty-year-old kids that these suits push on everybody, uh, it becomes mediocrity. Yes, and they're they're trying to be edgy when they're not edgy, and it just comes off as fake and eventually be ran into the ground yep. because instead of letting the talent do what it wants to do they got to use it to market the next upcoming thing and then these kids they get their chance on television and they don't have the chops oh, and yeah. it falls in on itself well i mean that's you know last comic stand and a lot of the comics that made it through to the final rounds they were repeating jokes for a reason i mean they only had so much stuff they could possibly even play on television let alone in front of a big audience i've had friends who have won that show and i'm very happy for them yeah. but what basically happened was they learned comedy while already having a career. Yes. 
and they're just lucky that it didn't catch up with them. But it's like that's not the way it is, and no. it's just because the suits want to uh, control everything. But eventually, it it all catches up with you when you when you don't go through the steps mm-hmm. to learn what you can and cannot do in comedy. It will eventually catch you. And to the point where you start thinking you deserve anything, you don't realize right. that there were like people and places making stuff happen for you. And it, it, blow, it will blow up in your face. And, you know, I don't want to because a lot of them are my friends. But yeah. comedy, you're learning to become a Jedi. That's really, you're learning mind tricks on stage. Why right. certain words, words work here, certain words work there, saying this, pa- pausing here. You're doing mind tricks on people. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. And you can't just give somebody jokes and they go up on stage and they crush it. Someone like Eddie Murphy, they wrote all those material. He delivered it. Sure. But that was like Eddie Murphy at getting fame laughs at an incredible age of 19. Yes. And a different era. Uh, and a different era. People were more respectful of the art and yes. stuff like that. Uh, have you always been based out of L.A. or did you start somewhere else and then move to L.A.? I, uh, I always wanted to be a comedian, so right. I thought it would be a good idea to start in Las Vegas, and oh, okay. which is not the – when I started, it isn't like it is now. Right. Where there's like seven clubs yeah. and all the locals are getting Tons up and, it, and it's phenomenal. It's not like that at all. When I moved there, they would not let locals work the club. They would just grab young comics from New York, uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. And so when I got there, there was one open mic every other week in the whole entire town. Wow. So I had to start my own scene. And what I would do is I would go to bars and I go, what's your slowest night? They'd be like this. And I'm like, give it to me. Let me start a comedy show. So what I did was I would host a night, deal with all the hecklers, sure. bring the comics up. And that's how I got my stage time. And over time, I got really good. And I peaked at like opening for like big name comics at the, at the Riviera. I, and then I had my own improv troupe in like four different casinos in L, in in Vegas, and then after that, I'm like, I've done all I can. I'm going to go to uh, L.A. And when was that? L.A., oh, just like 1999 or oh, okay. 2000, yeah. So you spent a good five or six years in Vegas. Yeah. Right. I had the best time, and, it, you know, it's kind of my flavor. A lot of comics who come out of Vegas have a very edgy, dirty, sure. you know, like Doug Stanhope's kind of yep. the godfather of the yep. Vegas scene, and yep. now you got a whole bunch of really funny guys coming out of there right now. My friend Gooch, Brant Tobler, they're all, like, really funny, edgy guys. And, um, you know, I'm proud of being from there. Now, do you ever think by mixing porn stars with your comedy that it takes away from the art form on those nights? Do you think people are only coming for the porn stars and the comedy comes second? Well, I, they could come for – that is possible. That's right. why they're coming, but they'll quickly learn it's a whole other thing. Right. It's a very high level of uh, comedy. It's, I say it puts the ass in class. Right. It's a it's a dirty show that you can bring your girlfriend to, right. and it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's one of the best shows ever. It's ADD theater. It moves every five minutes. There's something new on stage, and it's very uh, intelligent stuff that's easily digestible. And you were at the improv doing it, and now you're at the store? Yeah, I was at the improv for a while. And I had a lot of fun, but I felt like it just needed a, mi- a little change. And I was offered uh, the main room, and I-, I got that room the whole night. Right. Instead of being like the first or second show, right, right, right. I could have the so whole just night. Logistically, it's great. You got the green room back there and everything. Yeah. It's a great room. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. And the improv is a class act. Sure. You know, the improv is like the, the best, most structured club 
in Hollywood? Like when you go there, you know you're going to get on time. You know, you get your time. You're probably going to go up right around there. It's very like it's. I call it the office, yeah, and the I mean it in a good it's like way. A machine. It's a very yeah. well-run machine. Yeah. yeah, and then the comedy store is kind of like. <laughs> That is when That's I, where you go. I spent four months there, and I would go to the improv, and they would ignore me because I'm a nobody, and they didn't know who I was or that I was a comic even. But you'd go to the comic, the comedy store, and you'd sit up front, and you'd hang out, and people would start talking to you, and you'd meet Jeffrey Ross, and you'd meet uh, Boom, the guy that's the homeless man that's a little yeah, crazy. Yeah, Boom Shakalaka. Yeah, like you'd – there's – it's – it's Honestly, kind of the lounge the of the comedy club. There's definitely more character at the comedy stores. Sit there, the you get you can drink all night for yeah. cheap, yeah. and you can network. And the you Ding just, Dong Show. I mean, there's all these things. Which is one of the most brilliant shows. Oh, I fucking love that show. I fucking love it. Is it still on Monday nights there? Yeah. If you're listening to this right now and you are in Los Angeles, if you're just going to visit or you live there, go see the Ding Dong Show on a Monday night. Download uh, the Big Three podcast yeah, if you get you. Yep. I can't stop laughing. Yep. Dom Barris is uh, one of the smartest. <laughs> Windy City Heat is definitely the funniest movie I've seen in 10 years. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's that that and world's uh, greatest dad. I don't know what the fuck happened with him, but Bobcat is on a fucking roll. The new one just came out. His new uh, is it God Bless America yeah. or yeah. yeah? I don't know what it is, but I mean, like, hopefully he'll get to a place where you know because you got to do that kind of comedy. Yeah, I was talking about. I had a big meeting today, and I was talking about how you know the internet's killing the adult comedies that we all grew up yes, on yes. because it's so fast and it's always churning out edgier stuff. Yep. To stay in front of it is so hard, yep. which is what you know the Naughty Show is blessed to do. It puts out stuff before the internet puts it out, but it's like Bobcat stuff is staying ahead of that, and you have to. like yeah. The last great one would probably be The Hangover, yes. and even that was kind of stuff that you've heard in comedy clubs forever, yep. but it stayed ahead of it, but now it's like, how do you stay ahead of the internet? Absolutely. And stuff that he's doing is great. Yeah. I, I don't know why that guy doesn't – the guy's brilliant. I always I put him in the Naughty Show. And, you know, the Naughty Show is like one of those really high-end comedy shows in uh, L.A. I have another great show on the Sunset Strip. I do it at the Viper Room. It's a uh, karaoke pole dancing championships, <laughs> and it sounds like the weirdest thing. I want to do that. That's but it's I the think. most amazing show you've ever seen. And, like – well, I definitely can say I've never heard that before. I mean, that's that's a lot of what L.A. is about, producing shows that you've never heard before and want to go see. And well, I, I've never heard anything again, like that Again, it's before. a niche, and I, I don't yeah. know if I was talking to you about this, but it's all about, like, when I saw what Doug Stanhope did and then when I saw what Doug Benson did, those guys had a huge effect sure. on the trajectory trajectory of my comedy because I realized, like, okay, it's not about trying to get everybody. It's trying to really work this niche. Yeah. Find your audience, and, yeah. And what happened was is uh, I got hired one day to uh, – I got called to do this vivid video comedy tour. Right. And I was late to the show. They're like, we got to put up Burt Kreischer. We don't know if you could follow him. And I'm like, don't worry about me, okay? And Burt Kreischer's a good friend of mine. Sure. But I'm not worried about it. I, right. I, I used to go up to the comedy store, and for the first year that I was there, I literally got bumped every night by Andrew Dice Clay. He would do an hour, and then I would have to follow him and crush following Joe Rogan. So I'm not worried about who I have to follow. Right. So I, uh, I go there and I just crush. And I'm like, okay, this is my crowd. How do I get this crowd yep. that's here for, to see adult film stars? How do I get them to like me? And I worked with those guys for a while, but eventually they just stopped doing it. So I kind of was sitting around going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I just started seeing people doing bad versions of it. I'm like, if I let this keep going, they're going to steal what, what it is. I'm really good at. Yeah. So I created the naughty show and we did uh, a pilot presentation for Comedy Central 
And they were like, this is the best show we've ever seen at this theater. And then, of course, they turned it down for whatever reason. Right. But I was blessed that the manager at the time fought to give me the name and the concept. So I've been mining it and mining it and mining it. And then I just got this niche. So then I started doing the podcast. And I show podcasts. And then I started doing this show at the Viper Room. And it just blows up. It's like this amazing show. And it's just like these guys singing your favorite songs in karaoke with these insane ninjas on pole, on the pole just and then there's adult film stars all over the place it's like old-fashioned rock and roll and what night of the week is that it we do it once every month and a half and okay. it's on a tuesday night a tuesday, okay that's and for anyone the, who wants to get any of this information it's all on your website yeah my website's going through some major overhauls right now i just okay. got a new one it's just i haven't been in a place where i can update everything right. but yeah, I have a, I have two Twitters. I have Sam Tripoli, and then there's Naughty Show at Naughty Show, which is my my uh, podcast and live shows Twitter, and that's going really well. And if you go on DeskSquad.tv, you can listen to my podcast, and we've had some pretty legendary podcasts. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. Well, uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, please uh, check out Sam Tripoli's website at samtripoli.com or any of those Twitter feeds that he said, and uh, have a great weekend. I look forward to gigging with everybody. I hope we can do it soon, Absolutely. man. Cheers. Definitely. You should Thanks. come down and do a spot. All right. I'll be there soon. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen's moving to L.A. She'll be there. All right. Cheers. I appreciate it, man. Putting the word rap in rape. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, this is Nick Beaton. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on XM Satellite Radio Laugh Attack. Those letter-writing pens ready. We're back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Okay, we're back from the break, and that was Sam Tripoli that we had the interview there. That he was fun. He is such a cool guy. He is a really, he's a nice guy. He has a lot of experience in comedy, and uh, he's willing to talk to other people about it. Like, I re- And he's a really funny guy. You know what? To be honest, in terms of he's got a great energy mm-hmm. interviewing him. And uh, he's obviously done this before. I know he does his own podcast and stuff yeah. like that. And sometimes when that happens, people don't want to kind of turn on the energy because they want to save it for their own shows or shows at night. But he gave a lot of fucking energy in that interview. Yeah. And I, I really thought it was, a, it was one of our better interviews we've done in a long time. Yeah. And why him. is that? Because Kathleen McGee is here. I'm back. <laughs> oh, it brings it out you. in the people. I miss you guys so much. I, now, did you go see Sam this weekend? I did go see Sam this weekend. And uh, he had great shows. Yep. And uh uh, the comic strip. The thing about the comic strip is that I like about it is it's not an easy club. It's a beautiful club. Yep. It's great, but it's not an easy club. Like I know a lot of Canadian comics uh, say, Absolute Ottawa is the best club in because the country. Because it's an easy club, yes. Because anybody can get up and kill. Yes. If you don't kill at Absolute, quit. And, and just so everyone <laughs> understands out there, the um, the comic strip is a, a gorgeous venue that is in the West Edmonton Mall, which is a massive mall, kind of like the Mall of America in the states. Yeah, they have one in the Mall yeah, of America as yeah, well. Yeah, in Minneapolis. 
Metropolis, a comic yeah. strip there. Not but a just, comic strip. Uh, it's, uh, it's not comic strip. It's House of Comedy. Oh, House of Comedy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but just so people understand, it's a big tourist place. I mean, the tourism from all over Canada goes there. So that it can be a good mix in that, in that venue of yeah. people that are hardcore comedy fans and tourists. So that's one reason why it's not the easiest venue to and play. And it can be Drunk Albertans, which was exactly. the late show that I saw uh, Friday Night Late Show. They were got pretty they were pretty drunk at the end and it's a but it's it's a fun when when you do well in that room you yep. should feel proud of yourself and he did great right he did great yeah. yeah he did he did great and uh yeah he was a really a couple comics came to the show last night and said that they'd seen him on either wednesday or thursday and they really enjoyed him yeah and i told them all to go see him again because i guess his style i have not seen enough of him to to say if this is his style or not but you can back it up he likes to kind of take a lot of kind of left turns like he kind of yeah. goes one way and then just takes the left turn exactly and i told the young comics to go and see him again because you want to see it is does he take the same left turns every time which yeah. is fine but you should determine that it's something to very interesting interesting to watch when comics do that he's a good comic for new comics to watch yeah he really is because he you know he's he's very good at what he does yep. and uh but yeah he you know new comics need to watch that what's been well i mean we've talked about that <laughs> to death, uh, on the shows but uh before we uh, interviewed sam we were talking about how you moved from toronto uh you're not so much uh, an alcoholic anymore i know and you've, you've lost some weight which is great but you know how do you feel even just spiritually about your act being out here now um, I went through a little bit of weirdness because I, I feel like, okay, people look at me and, and it is true, all bookers just think I can only do dirty. Right. But that's because they've never really watched me. Right. They've watched me at showcases. No and, booker in Canada knows anyone's act anymore. No. Um, they, they only think I can do dirty. And I, I mean, I, like dark and, and dirty comedy is where I, what I love to do. And I have been trying to write right. a little bit cleaner, but I don't even want to become, I don't want to be clean comic I want to be myself yeah and this is mostly me on stage this is what I find funny right so, so yeah I uh I don't know I, I I think I was getting really angry in Toronto and feeling like I was getting uh passed over for things you were yes you were yeah and uh I just like uh I when Halifax sent me I wanted to do the Halifax Comedy Festival. Halifax is like my favorite city in Canada. So yep. of course I want to go town. Yep. and do, and it's one of my favorite cities to do comedy in. And so when they sent me something back that was basically, uh, we think you're really funny, but you're just too dirty. Yep, yep. We can't have you because you have to be able to do a CBC set, which is a great, that's true. I can't do a CBC sure. set. But I feel like, you know, um, and I think I was talking to this with, about this with Sam. It's just like, you know, why don't, more festivals start to embrace the darker dirty shows well then then you know the nasa show just for last with 15 shows it's to 700 huge. people it, it's it's a huge huge venue mm -hmm. uh 700 people so you know that's literally uh, like i don't even want to do the fucking math yeah you know that's like 10,000 people in in five days yeah there, there is a market for dirty comedy, like we've been screaming every single fucking yeah. week on the show. But even this weekend for me, I played to 50 people for two shows. Oh, I know. Because, you know, that's just the way it is. It's like, unless you get the message out, they're not going to yeah. come. But I have started to realize that, like, I'm, I'm not Your goal gonna... should be Winnipeg, because Winnipeg yeah. has a nasty show. It's a very good nasty show. And there's an ability to bring you in and just do the nasty yeah. show and other shows. But it's, I do feel like I've, like, like, at least in Toronto, I did feel like I was just being passed over for some things and i've proven myself a couple times that i you know i know my act is dirty but it's also something that i get away with and people that don't normally like dirty sometimes might like me right but I, they just don't i don't think bookers look at the whole comic anymore i think they watch one showcase 
I think bookers just try to do the least amount of work that they have to do yeah. to fill as many. And I don't mean that in so negative that they're not doing their yeah. job. I think bookers are overwhelmed because the agencies that we work for have too many people and yeah. they have to take care of too many people. So when I say they're not knowing our acts, I'm not throwing the blame game so much at them as maybe they have too much on their plate because yeah. of, you know, they, they have like they shouldn't be repping 200 people. No, they just shouldn't <laughs> no. be. No agency should be repping 200 people unless they can rep 200 people. Yeah. And the people we work for cannot do that. Yeah. And I would say that to their face. And if I would have to lose work for that, then so be it. But that's just the way it is. That's the same way in the States. Bookers only take on as many as they take on because that's what they can handle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like uh, it, it, it doesn't feel. And that's why I'm so excited to move down to the States because I have mm-hmm. two people that uh, are my managers that, uh, you know, are out for me yep. and they're, they don't have 200 people on their right. label or, or they're in their company and, and they are, you know, they, they're out there for me. And, and it's so nice cause I've never had that in Canada. I've never had one. I've never had anybody. Well, there's only com- three, there's only three managers yeah. in Canada really. Yeah. And of those three, you know, maybe only one or two of them can do something if you're hot yeah. right now. And I, I found that being in Toronto and having, and feeling like I was getting passed over, I was becoming so angry and so right. bitter. And I'm like, I haven't even been doing comedy for 10 years and I'm yeah. bad mouthing people cause they're getting yep. things. Yep. And I, I'll admit it. I said bad things about people. Um, I'll even, Say, I said bad things about Dave Merhaj because I was so insecure. Right. And it wasn't anything to do with it. We actually had a discussion. I apologized to him. Right. And um, I said, and he said, yeah, I didn't know why you were talking bad about me. I don't know what right. I did. I was like, you didn't do anything. I was feeling insecure about myself. I was sure. feeling depressed. And I was feeling bad. And mm-hmm. so what I did was I talked bad about you. And I'm sorry. And I don't mean it. And I'll tell everyone I've ever seen that right. I respect you. And I think that you're a great, you know, you're doing great. Yeah. But. But yeah, I was just so angry out there. The, the look, I'm an angry comic, and and playing the angry card is very easy. Yeah, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, and to get upset with other people's success and then be angry towards them is very easy. You know, like I take shots at certain comics, and people just think I'm taking easy shots because I'm angry. But most of the shots that I take from comics are based on five or ten years of those comics doing certain things. Yeah, I try not to be like, oh, fuck Dave Mirage because he's hot right now, and this yeah. is why it's fuck him. I I really don't have any relationship with him. I don't say anything about him. I don't really know him. We don't run in the same paths, but I know he works hard. I see his name all over the place. He works harder than any comic. He he works harder than most comics. I would definitely give him that. And, you know, the longer you're in this, the people that are working hard – and I'm not saying he's not original. I just haven't seen him enough to say, right? That's what I'm saying. I don't know his act enough. But – I really am starting to reward, in my own way of praise, hard work. Yeah. Because I see a lot of comics bitching and complaining and not putting the work in. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. And that was me. I, I was bitching and complaining, and I wasn't really working hard because I was getting all my gig sheets emailed to me. And yeah. I was, you know, people were just, okay, here's your show, here's your show. And I some was, people were telling you were great. Yeah. And that's great to hear, and that makes you feel good. But the problem with that is if you don't have enough going on, yeah. if people tell you great, you're like, but I'm great. Why am I not getting more? Exactly. And that's yeah. very hard hurdle to get over. It is a hard hurdle to get over, and uh, yeah, I, I'm really, I mean, I, I think that there's probably some uh, comics out there that still think I'm a gigantic bitch, and I was a, uh, I was being a bitch for a long time, right? And I'm trying to work through it, and I finally discovered, you know, um, I have to stop comparing myself to everyone because nobody is on Kathleen McGee's path. No, like. I don't know where I'm going to be in right. a year. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. Yep. But I hope I'm happy. And right. I and I I found that like being in Toronto and this is I'm not saying all this because Toronto is a bad scene. It was for me. I got really competitive out there and I got 
and I Toronto was I wasn't the healthy. belly of the beast of Canada. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, Vancouver's a great scene, and there's other great scenes, Halifax and, and Edmonton and Calgary. Those are all great comedy markets, but the bottom line is Toronto's the belly of the beast, and it brings out either the best in you or yeah. the worst in you. I think it brought out both, because I did right. some things I'm so proud of Absolutely. in and two years that I was there. Yep. I did Massey Hall. Yep. I did, you know, I made, I, I did that, I met Russell Peters. I did all that. That was from Toronto, and uh, I'm... I'm not saying bad things about it. Just no. it, in the end, at the end of my time in Toronto, I was kind of happy just to get out of there because it was poisoning my mind a little right. bit, just being so competitive with with everybody out there. And but that was me. That's not yeah necessarily. But you got to also remember something. It's probably important that you came back to Edmonton. You were able to look at that, realize that because when you go to L.A., yeah, you think Toronto's the belly of the beast. Oh no, I know. You know, L.A. <laughs> is far worse. Yeah. And now that you've kind of been through this and being able to recognize it, yeah. you're going to be much better off than if you went straight from Toronto oh, yeah. to L.A. And plus, I've started taking care of my health. And I'm not even kidding you. I, for the the two years I lived in Toronto, I didn't go to the doctors once, and I've been right. feeling like this for three years. Right. And I didn't know what was going on, and I felt I thought it was my fault, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I go and I have a few tests, and my doctor's like, okay, well, this is what's wrong, and this is what's wrong, and we're fixing it. And I feel like 100 times better, and it's just crazy. Because you're not 21 anymore. I know. And if you eat a certain way, I mean, look at me. I I know exactly what I'm talking about here. But it's not even like just like, but it is is just like in health-wise, like I didn't. When people, when you're 20s, you don't go to the doctor unless no. you break something yeah. or you you're hurt something very badly. It's like, oh, my knee's all fucked up. I'll go to the doctor. Yeah. But you don't think of, like, I'm getting depressed a lot or I'm doing this a lot. And it's you think it's just you and you can handle it. But You yeah. think it's your – well, that's my thing is I've always been against antidepressants because I'm like, I can figure – I'm not a baby. I can figure right. – stop being such a baby. Right. Don't be such a bitch. Figure this out on your own. You don't need right. a pill. Right. And then uh, – and – I attributed everything to just me being stupid and me being right. a baby. And then I go and she's like, no, you have low iron. Like that will, that will make you depressed. That'll fuck you up. Yeah. And then I have a history of depression in my family and right. that, like that will fuck you up too. And I, now I'm on like, I was taking one pill a day for a uh, one thing and now I'm taking, <laughs> this is so crazy. I'm like taking like a whole bunch of pills and like, I'm, I'm, I'm that person that I really make fun of. I'm taking millions of vitamins. It's very right. embarrassing, yep. but, but yeah, no, but I'm never going to become a vegetarian. I'm never going to stop drinking. So fuck that. <laughs> and on that note, on that note, we are at the end of the show. Uh, so I do want to thank both uh, the Yuck Yucks in the uh, Century Casino and the Comic Strip this week for letting us record the show live uh, into the podcast world. And also, um, what else do we want to give a shout out to? Dave Martin will be at Calgary Yuck Yucks and then Edmonton Yuck Yucks. So check those websites out to see Dave. And uh, his uh, Twitter feed, his course, is uh, Dave Martin World. And my website is comedyhore.com, and that's my Twitter feed. Kathleen McGee is. I'm at thekathleenmcgee.com and my Twitter feed which I love is Kathleen underscore McGee there we go and I'm even on Instagram and sometimes I post really inappropriate pictures of my boobs not like fully but well is there ever inappropriate I don't know there's a lot of guys (laughs) that would probably argue with that Um, and uh, that is the show thank you to Victoria and uh, all the staff at XM Radio for letting us do this show every week and making us sound good and please on uh, iTunes look up Anything Goes XM and all of our episodes are podcasted there Uh, that's it so thanks Kathleen I really appreciate it I miss you guys oh we miss you I mean I love Christina and I love uh, Ah, Rebecca but fuck those bitches they're the new bitches (laughs) 